and welcome to the studio here on Triple H 100.1 FM, live across Hornsby and of course across the community radio network around Australia as well. Thank you for joining me. My name is Alexi Boyd. Now we've got a great show in store for you today. We're going to be talking to the ATO's Assistant Commissioner, who's the head of self-managed super funds. There's a great uh, interview here because she's really knowledgeable in the sector. She obviously knows a lot about what small business is doing when they're thinking about setting up self-managed super funds, but also um, what we can do to make sure we're fully prepared, who the best people are to ask for advice and what the ATO is looking for when you might or might not be doing the wrong thing. She's full of knowledge and uh, we're going to talk to her right now. It's a pre-record, so hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd and today I am broadcasting from the ATO's offices here in Sydney. That's right, we've got another expert coming from the ATO talking to us not only about how the ATO supports small business but educates small business and it's always wonderful to have our guests on the program because, let's face it, they're not big and scary, they are there to help and uh, the ATO can be your friend. (laughs) Now today we're talking all about self-managed super funds. Why do I need to know about this when I'm a small business? Well, the reality is we need to think of the future. We need to plan for our retirement, if that ever happens, and we need to plan for what's going to happen with our business. We talk a lot about this on Small Biz Matters. We talk about succession planning, thinking about the future, even as far as thinking about your next holiday. And part of that knowledge needs to be whether or not it's appropriate for you to have an SMSF as a small business. One of the things the ATO supports us with is understanding the compliance around that. And that's what we're going to be covering today a lot about. And today we've got our program is Dana Fleming, who's the ATO's Assistant Commissioner, is in SMSF segment. Welcome to the program, Dana. Thanks, Alexi. Now, I'm really excited about today's show because, um, as I said, you're the expert. You're heading up SMSF. That must be pretty large uh, category to be looking after with the ATO because it affects so many people. Absolutely. And uh, we just uh, clocked over 600,000 SMSFs in our segment now. And of course, that represents over 1.1 million people that we are working with to help them comply with their obligations under both the tax and the superannuation system. And it was, um, am I right in saying that superannuation actually came under the banner of the ATO quite recently? Sort of. Depends how old you are. Uh, quite, it was kind of recently for me. So we've been the regulator for self-managed super funds since, for about 20 years. Next year will be our 20-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. So the ATO looks after you, re- you look after the regulations around that and the implementation for people on a day-to-day basis. That's right. So working with people to comply with both their tax obligations in relation to their self-managed super funds and also the superannuation regulatory aspects. And just to take it really back to basic level, the person that helps people, whether you're a small business or not, to get all this set up is your accountant, right? Yes, or and or your financial advisor who may be this one and the same person or different. Do they need to have specific kind of um, qualifications to be able to do SMSF setups or even... I know there's an auditing process, which we're going to go into a bit later, but do they need to be sort of specially qualified to be able to do that? I think um, they should be a qualified financial advisor to help you set up, um, certainly in relation to your investment strategy, which is a key part of setting up your self-managed super fund. And then, of course, there's also the operational aspect of helping you set up your super fund, and you would want to have uh, your accountant be qualified uh, in that space to help you get the right um, 
know, financial statements prepared, accounting records, or all your uh, back basic stuff that has to be done. It's a bit of a teamwork, I think, with a self-managed super fund because there are they are quite complicated and there are a variety of aspects. There's also um, legal documentation that obviously needs to be prepared because it is a trust. So some people also use um, a, a separate legal advisor in relation to their self-managed super fund. So a number of sources to go to, but definitely your accountant and uh, financial advisor, your primary two contacts. So it's like with everything, making sure that that person is qualified, has the right professional association membership qualifications, and like all good things with small business, ask around, find out from your colleagues and your co-workers and your other small business colleagues who to use. Absolutely. And uh, of course, there is a list of um, appropriate financial advisors, uh, I think on both ASEC's website as well as our own. So let's talk about setting it up. So let's let's take any uh, business that's been plugging away for a little while. You realise that you're happily making money, which is a good sign. Been in business for maybe you know five or ten years, and you think to yourself, "Well, I need to start planning for the future." And I've heard that SMSFs are a good way to consider that. Uh, what do you need to consider? as a small business owner if you're thinking about setting up an SMSF? Yeah, I think there are two key elements. Uh, The first is probably the most obvious one is uh, getting some good advice and understanding if it is uh, the right vehicle for you to achieve the retirement income and outcomes that you want when you retire in the future. Uh, So that's probably your number one. Uh, The number two I'd like to mention is uh, probably as a result of the recent ASIC report on SMSFs. Mm -hmm. And when they surveyed um, quite a number of people, they found on average one third of trustees, so members of those self-managed super funds, had underestimated both the time and cost that was involved in setting up a self-managed super fund and managing it going forward. Right. So that's quite a big number, I think. And uh, so I think the real thing is be informed and actually understand what your obligations are as a trustee because clearly there's um, a lot of people underestimating what's Mm. involved. I was really interested this week, Alexia, they had SMSF Week and the Self-Managed Superfund Association published um, a thought leadership piece Mm. as a result of that and had surveyed a lot of their members. And uh, they had worked out on average... uh, members took four hours a week just to do um, um, paperwork and administration. And if they were more involved in the investment and and trying to keep up with the regulatory aspects as well, another four hours per week. So that's one whole day a week if you want to be actively involved in your self-managed super fund. I'm unsurprised that people are underestimating it because it's almost like running another business in terms of book work. Well, it it is understanding. And so having the right people to help you with that and understanding what your role and how much time it's going to take. So probably a minimum four hours a week based on that research, which was quite a lot. Mm. Um, But that's what you're signing up for. So so it's not a small decision, but be informed, get the right advice and know what your role is in that. Mm. And so many times with um, when it comes to financial services, we want things to be really quickly, happening really quickly. I need a home loan, so I need it to happen really fast and I need to get a business loan, but I have no my, none of my documentation in order. It's it's about understanding not only what the setup process is, but, but what it is moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a set and forget. As mm. with anything in life, unfortunately, you know, you can't just sort of outsource it to somebody else you need to take responsibility and trustees have a lot of um legal responsibilities in relation to running their smsf so making sure they're lodging their tax return making sure they're lodging um ongoing often reporting to the tax office if you're in pension mode and then there's also your audit 
interview managed as well. So there's quite a few things that you just need to be aware of and, and talking to your tax agent, your auditor and uh, your financial advisor around. So a lot of small businesses understand the concept of moving from a sole trader into a company mm-hmm. um, and the process that's involved in that. Is that a good way to think of this? Should we be, if we're thinking about setting up um, an SMSF, should we be thinking about it in terms of, well, it's kind of like the same amount of bookwork ongoing and the setup as I would expect if I was setting up a whole new company. Do we need to be prepared for that mentally? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the right mindset, Alexi. So, you know, if you're a director of your company, there's a lot of legal obligations and um, ongoing operational matters that you need to be across and keeping up with. And I think a self-managed super fund is the same but with a perhaps unique slant because it is um, a very long-term perspective where you're mm. trying to think about what do I, where do I want to be when I retire and will the goals and the strategies I'm putting in place with my financial advisor get me there? You mentioned at the beginning of the program about um, the importance of understanding you as a trustee. Could you just explain to me the relationship that we as individuals have with setting up a fund and what does that trustee element mean? Yeah, so um, it is sort of a funny old-fashioned common law concept to be a trustee, but it means um, legally that you have a fiduciary duty in relation to the trust. The trust is a self-managed super fund that uh, holds all your assets and that you will work, hopefully, I think, with a self, um, self-managed self um, investment advisor to set the investment strategy. So in that picture, you are the person that's ultimately responsible. Uh, That means you have to arrange for the tax returns, you have to arrange for the auditor or work with your accountant to make sure those obligations are met and you have to make sure that the investment strategy is appropriate for your needs. So there are a number of personal obligations that sit there around making sure you're making the right decisions in relation to your self-managed super fund. And they can be even as granular as uh, making sure that your self-managed super fund assets are in a separate bank account if they're in cash and that they are held in the name of the self-managed super fund and not your own. That's right, because you can't dip in, can you? That's the point of having a self-managed super fund. You have to think of it like a regulatory uh, super fund out there that once it's out there, it's not yours anymore. It kind of belongs to the fund. That's right. And I think that's perhaps sometimes a hard thing to understand, but you are undertaking that you won't touch those funds barring um, compassionate release kind of situations or hardships that you will not touch that money until you retire. What happens if you do? What are the liabilities around being that trustee? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question and they, they can be quite serious, uh, Alexia. So if you do take money out... Um, even if it's just for, oh, I'm a bit, you know, struggling at the moment and I'll take it out and I'll promise I'll put it back, that's illegal. Uh, It's exactly as you've said, the same as an APRA fund. You you can't be dipping into it to meet your personal needs. And if you do, that um, comprises a breach of the superannuation laws and um, there will be consequences on you personally as a trustee. And obviously, if you breach those consequences, you're unlikely to be a trustee again and you've probably got ASIC and everybody else quite interested in your affairs from then on, I imagine. Yeah, depending on how often you've done it, if it's the first time, you know, or you've repeatedly engaged in this behaviour, yes, you could be disqualified as acting as a trustee and the fund could be made non-complying. They're really serious outcomes. Uh, If you're disqualified as a trustee, you you can't run the self-managed super fund anymore, which means it has to be wound up. 
essentially, which means you have to liquefy or liquidate all the assets and probably roll them back into an APRA fund. Right, one that's actually regulated. That's and, right. And, yeah. So it's really serious um, to be across what those um, obligations are, which in general are, you know, not lending money to related parties, not taking out the money for yourself uh, and not investing in related party loans or other assets loans. What are some of the things the ATO... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What is the ATO looking for? Um, Because I know that at the moment the ATO's got a number of uh, rollouts of programs where you're investigating small business for black economy, for instance, and we hear about a lot about phoenixing um, companies in in the media. Mm -hmm. What is the ATO... What's going to be a red flag for the ATO, apart, obviously, taking money out... but not lodging on time, not reporting, all those sort of things? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And uh, we sort of do try and construct risk flags for ourselves around what we think are behaviours that are looking like someone is mm. trying to take their money out of super. Um, we do have uh, what we call a secure front door process. A secure front uh, door secure process? A secure front door process. And that's this, a new one. It, <laughs> it's... Um, because what we have, one of the biggest risks is illegal early release. So people taking money out of their APRA fund and using that, often promoters promoting it and rolling it over to self-managed super fund to take it out and go on holiday, buy a car, pay for a renovation. And we, we actually see promoters in this space. Wow. So what we look for is, um, first of all, we try and vet people before we allow them to um, roll their money over. Yes. And that involves uh, looking at the whole picture of an individual trustee that's applying to run their own self-managed super fund with us. So we look at, do they have a good compliance history themselves? Ooh, so have they been lodging their basses on time? Have they been lodging like their basses right. on time? Have they been lodging their tax returns on time? Um, have they had outstanding debts that they haven't been paying with their ATO? Have they been linked to previous um, entities of concern? Um, and it's not just a one-way street. We also look at it for risk flags where potentially we're concerned um, an individual's personal tax file number or identity has been compromised, which is another real release with people trying to take your money out of your super fund and it's not you. Right. Yeah, so it's like a two-way street. We're looking to both protect the individual but also make sure the individual's a fit and proper person to run their own self-managed super fund. So that's kind of our secure front door. But then the biggest indicator of risk for us is if they then take set up a self-managed super fund, roll the money into a bank account, never lodge their first tax return. Oh, wow. So they just take it out, put it into a bank account and then start using it? Basically, you never see the mum again. And so we do have a program that identifies people in that space and we proactively go out and ask immediately when they miss that first tax return, what's going on? Why haven't you lodged your tax return? Is this another way that we hear about um, data matching? Um, Is this another way that the ATO is looking for anomalies to make sure that these things don't happen? Yeah, absolutely, Alexi. So we're trying to identify through correlating different behaviours where a risk might be surfacing. So why is the ATO being so hard and fast about this? Um, what, what, what's the purpose of making sure... I mean, why is it that I can't just take the money out of the super fund, um, my regulated super fund, and just spend it? What, what is the major impact that that has long-term on the Australian economy? Yeah, so... The, um, the obvious uh, answer to that is um, we do have a three-pillar retirement system. The pension is an important part of that, but also compulsory superannuation, which we all have now at 9.5%, and who knows where that might go in the future, and our voluntary savings as well in the superannuation. So 
The, the issue there is if uh, one pillar is undermined and we are not um, ensuring that people do save for their own retirement, the increased pressure is on government and the age pension. And uh, you know, the government's done a lot of work around that and with the ageing demographics of Australia, it's obviously a key pressure point with the government and they are in trying to encourage stability in the system through all the pillars. So the ATO is almost the guardian of, uh, of the self-managed super fund and superannuation system to make sure that long term we can survive as a, as a country and oh, not absolutely, fall over. Absolutely and uh, I think um, you know our retirement system in Australia across the board not just the self-managed super fund sector has um, been a really important factor in the financial stability of Australia and I know comments I've read um, a lot of sort of financial um, uh, commentators have said that the superannuation system and the size of it was a key factor in the last um, crisis that mm we came through so well. That's right. It's, mm. it's almost like a little booster for the economy, isn't yeah. it? Still got that ticking along nicely. That's right. As long as it still survives with the ATO's Co- help. Correct. <laughs> so let's talk back, uh, think back about um, a small business, for example. Why is it that we might want to set up a self-managed super fund? Yeah, um, so there's been lots of surveys around this, Alexis, so I feel quite informed. Um, and the um, report I mentioned from um, the SMSF this week reconfirmed, and that is that people do have um, a real uh, affiliation to want to control and manage their own super and their own outcomes, therefore, for retirement. Particularly after the uh, Royal Commission outcomes and all the and, the and the things that we've been hearing about in the media with regulated super funds. Yes, I, I've yet to uh, see the numbers, but I have been asked, well, do I think there'll be a spike in self-managed super funds? Um, I, I haven't seen anything to date, I can say, in that space, because I did go back and look out of interest. Hmm. I understand there has been a big spike in people rolling money back to the APRA funds, yes. I believe. So, yes, um, in the current climate, um, people might have a greater inclination, it seems reasonable, to conclude intuitively. Mm. Um, But the main reason is that people do want to be active and and I think that's a really positive thing, that people want to be engaged with their super and manage their own retirement savings. Mm. Um, The important thing is just to make sure that... um, you do it on an informed basis and you're getting the right support and advice to do so. And I sort of touched on these promoter schemes. We do see a lot of that happening and people just even taking a fee saying, this is okay, I'll help you set up a self-managed super fund, you can rob money out and buy a new car. And there are opportunistic players that are attracted to the self-managed super fund sector because of that ability to control and direct the assets. Isn't that just completely illegal? Absolutely, completely <laughs> illegal. And if I didn't say that, thank you for mentioning yeah. it. Oh no, I just, <laughs> I just find it surprising that 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 would happen so openly and and. Um are they literally advertising themselves as providing this service? They're usually not that stupid. Yeah. But um, we, we do see pockets of it in communities where someone is sort of a trusted advisor um, um, and okay. then it seems to spread throughout communities. Okay. Mm. So we found our trusted advisor, we found our accountant who is highly uh, qualified and part of a professional association and or a financial advisor. What do you need to have in place before you can set one up? So your key things... Um, are that you need to have in place your trust deed, mm-hmm. you need to have in place your investment strategy, mm-hmm. and you need to um, have set decided, I think, in my view, even though it's not a legal requirement, ha- have decided how you're going to manage it going forward. So there's your business structures around your accountant and um, meeting your compliance obligations, but actually having thought through 
what this means for me on a whole of life cycle basis. This is not a short-term decision, this is a really long-term decision. So the time and cost and are you prepared to make those commitments and mm-hmm. be involved? And um, are you prepared to be engaged on an ongoing basis? And then thinking about what might happen or what, what go through scenario planning for life events. And uh, it's, it's no different to me to making a will, so you don't have to have, you know, a terrible time thinking about what happens when a loved one dies. Right, plan when you, ahead. Yeah, plan ahead. So, you know, we're seeing with an ageing population an increased incidence of dementia, for example. What would happen if that happened to you? And again, the ASIC report was quite interesting in this space again, where one third admitted that they hadn't thought about what would happen to their self-managed super fund if something happened to them. And uh, that might just mean um, early onset dementia, it might mean divorce, it might mean um, a death of a member. And uh, all these life events actually need to be considered in the context of what you're doing in your self-managed super fund. And the, the obvious one is sort of death, where if you have a member die, you have to pay out the benefits. So if you had a heavy investment um, in a property, for example, would you be able to sell that property and would you be prepared to sell that property if uh, that event occurred and that was the only way? And are you prepared to take the risk if the market's perhaps not where you want it to be at that time? Because you can't pick the time that these things are going to happen. You can't pick the time. So with all these things, it's about being informed, great opportunity, but also understand the risks and think through them at the start. Be prepared. Do you need to be set up on a cloud-based software? Um, well, that's a really interesting question. So we have, um, I can tell you that 98% of our self-managed super funds are lodged through a tax agent. So it's really the tax agent software we're talking about. There's not that many um, individuals managing mm. all that aspect themselves. So Well, that's good to hear, isn't it? That's what you want to know. That's the, I, I think that's a really good thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, tax agents are really improving all their software. There's um, a couple of key platforms that are focused and, and tailored to self-managed super funds, um, which I understand they use as well. So I think um, it's a, in, an issue that the industry is self-managing, if I may be so. They're self-managing their self-managing yes. <laughs> Look, we're going to take a break here on Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. You've been listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We're talking to Dana Fleming, ATO's Assistant Commissioner for SMSF Segment, who is the expert in her field when it comes to how the ATO treats, looks after, respects small business when it comes to SMSFs, what we can do to set up. Now, just before the break, uh, we were talking about considerations, what you need to be aware of when you're setting up an SMSF, who to ask for for help, and the important compliance requirements that you have. And what I really liked about our discussion there was uh, you have to think of the reality of setting up an SMSF because it's almost like you're setting up another business. You have to think of yourself as the trustee, the one who is not only in charge of but responsible for. And it's a big chunk of money we're talking about here. You know, we talk about cash flow with businesses, money coming in, money coming out. But this is this is a big sort of bowl of money that you've got to think about and the time frame that we're talking about is quite long term as well absolutely tell me about um what's your top tip so you've got you you've got you've got it set up you've spoken to either your financial advisor your accountant um everything's compliant it's ticking along nicely but what do we really need to think about the top tip you'd give to a small business owner yeah so um i think it is really understand the risks involved and uh 
can I share a personal story at this Absolutely. moment? Absolutely, please so do. My, my dad was a small businessman, and uh, when I finished uni in 1992, which um, for those of us old enough to remember, which was the recession. Oh, yes, of course. Um, he, of course, had an operating overdraft, and the bank foreclosed on that. Cash flow got tight, and uh, as again with most small businesses, it was secured against our house. And I was really keen to uh, go on and do more study, and we had to have that family discussion around, well, sadly, we're not supporting you anymore. Wow. And uh, that was a really, um, you know, stressful time, I think, for the family. And so most of my first paycheck went to, um, you know, supporting the family at that time. And I think this is a really important thing for small business owners where, you know, all your personal affairs are so inextricably linked to your business affairs. And I look back now, at that time, leverage wasn't allowed in self-managed super funds. But if, you know, as a lot of small business owners do, the decision had been made to borrow some money and purchase a small uh, a property that you ran your business out of, the bank would have probably foreclosed on that and my family would have also lost all the retirement savings. Wow. So... I look back on that and, you know, a lot of people too young to remember, you know, that was really tough times in the recession. But that's why I'm saying look at your risk scenario plan. Think about what might happen and do I have a plan in place to deal with that? So my top tip is really understand your risks understand the scenario plans, think about what would happen if interest rates go up 2 or 3% as they were not that long ago, mm. what would happen if the property market declined and the bank wanted, um, if you had a loan-to-value a loan ratios and you have to make good the capital, you know, do you have a contribution strategy or a way to deal with that extra cash you might have to put into your self-managed super fund? So just understand the risks. Now, trustee education isn't mandatory, but um, therefore I do strongly recommend that trustees do undertake some education before they become a trustee. You don't have to wait um, to be a trustee to do trustee education. And uh, there are online um, courses you can do on the ATO website and there's also a list of uh, courses that we refer people to if they would like to undertake some trustee education so they understand um, what they're getting themselves into. Could I ask, is it similar to running a business in that your accountant and your financial advisor are there to help but they have no responsibility ultimately it falls on you the trustee is that a really good way of approaching that responsibility i think that's a really good mindset um that being said i think i'd just like to qualify that you know your financial advisor is required to give you um advice that's appropriate to all your circumstances and that includes both your super and other assets and your business and a whole of individual picture and uh, they are required to adhere to obviously the standards of their association and asset do um enforce where advice has not been appropriately given. And I think that was one of the saddest things out of that ASIC report is um, whilst admittedly some of it was around documentation, but 90% of the advice that they reviewed wasn't up to the standard that they expected. And yet the majority of people were lodging, reporting, Correct. going through advisors. Correct. So it's um, making sure that, again, I think making sure that you've got the right advice and, and that you understand yourself. It, it's, it kind of reminds me of um, oh, when we had the financial crisis and people didn't know what they were investing in. They're like, oh, well, the bank told me it was good, it's all okay, and things went pear-shaped. I remember um, someone saying to me, if you don't understand what you're investing in, don't invest in it. Mm. 
I think that's really good straightforward yeah. advice. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, it is your ultimate responsibility, but you are entitled to rely on the advice of your financial advisor. It's kind of like when you're feeding your children, if you can't read what's on the packet, maybe don't give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of this stuff is just common sense. Mm, mm. Yeah. And there's, there's, a, there's a bit of an impulse to do things quickly because you see an opportunity with a property, for example, and you go, oh, quickly, I've got to get everything set in place and put in stone. And, and it's not... It, a, it doesn't happen quickly and you need to give it time, but you need to give it a lot of thought. And I think that's a really good takeaway from today's program. Now, how can people find out more from the ATO in terms of support? You mentioned there um, the trustee education. Yep. Um, are they seminars, online webinars? How does it work? Yep. So there's a lot of um, different types of information depending on how you like to consume your information. So there are written um, information, there's videos, there are webinars that we've run that you can look at. Um, we put all of our webinars up on the website afterwards so you don't have to be online at the time to actually watch it. And um, they, they are specifically for SMSF. So I do encourage people to have a look at AFSA. If you just search ATO SMSFs, you'll pop up to the right page. Well, that's fantastic. And, and coupled with this fantastic podcast, there's a lot of information out there for, for people to learn from. So there is. Can I give a quick plug also? We yes, do please. have... Um, a specific SMSF news service which oh. does alert people to things as they come out. So that's just ato.gov.au forward slash SMSF news. And uh, you can also subscribe on that page to our monthly bulletin, which um, again sort of alerts you to the things that are changing, what you need to know. Sounds to me like that's probably a really good idea if you're a trustee. I would think yep. so. A mandatory, <laughs> sure, I won't say mandatory because we don't want to say Nothing's mandatory, but yeah, um, the more informed you are, the better prepared you are, I think. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us here on Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. I'd like to thank you for inviting us into your ATO home. And um, yeah, I, I thank you very much for joining us and we will hope to enjoy uh, more ATO presentations in the near future. Thank you again. Dan. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me along, Alexi. And welcome back to the studio here at Triple H 100.1 FM. My name is Alexi Boyd. You're listening to Small Beers Matters. Just before the break, we were hearing an interview pre-record with Dana Fleming from the ATO, who is the expert in self-managed super funds. So if you're out there and you're thinking about setting up a self-managed super fund, or perhaps you have one already, it's a good idea to tap into her knowledge and find out what you can do to make sure your compliance is correct, who to ask for for advice, and what to do if you're thinking about setting up your own self-managed super fund. So I'd like to thank the ATO again for for joining us and we've got lots of ATO guests coming throughout the year including at the end of the financial year we're going to be talking to the head of small business and uh, they're going to be taking us through some top tips on how to make sure your books and your accounts are all up to date for the ATO we try and make that end of year process as smooth as possible now, on Small Biz Matters, many of my regular listeners will know we've got over 120 podcasts available on the Small Biz Matters website. Plus, those of you who don't know, we are now on iTunes, so you can download the podcasts. They're a great length, about 30 or 40 minutes, and have a listen to those experts out there. Some of the most recent people we've been speaking to have been Sarah Harding. Uh, she's a 23-year-old financial advisor. We had a great chat last week all about how she uses Meetup as a method of improving her online presence and her reputation and running great events to promote her business. Um, I felt that was a really interesting discussion coming from someone who is so young and using and utilising those um, methods to, to build her own business reputation and she does it very successfully. Previous to that, we had Wayne Wanders who uh, had a great notion that how a simple bucket concept can help to 
revolutionise how you think about your business and how to grow. Uh, he was very knowledgeable, a previous CFO, now turned virtual CFO for small business, supporting them in getting themselves organised and understanding financials and really just understanding how the bucket system can help you grow your business through tracking different areas. Then previous to that, on the 8th of January, there's a great podcast from Tim Hoopman, one of our regular guests. He is a speaker with Beyond Blue. And we were talking about how to understand your worth and put that into practical strategies to support yourself, not only in your business to help it grow and develop and get more profitable, but also how to make yourself, um, I guess, more mentally fit to run a business. Uh, Beyond Blue has recently launched parts of their website dedicated to small business mental health. And there are some absolutely fantastic resources on there. And just on that note, don't forget that you know, as small business owners, um, we might be the face in front of our business, but we're also human beings and we have lots of issues and uh, problems and, and other parts of our life that do conflict or, or affect the way we run our business. And it's okay to reach out for help. I think there's a great movement at the moment with mental health strategies and understanding that there's some fantastic resources to support all of us and particularly small business owners now. So jump onto the Beyond Blue website and find the section on small business just to help you out and see what you can do out there. It's great some mental health strategies. And if that's not working for you and and you really need some help, just jump on the phone and give Beyond Blue a call. Give Lifeline a call because um, they're there to support us and they understand the issues that small businesses face as well as individuals. So thank you for joining me on the program today. As I mentioned, there's lots of great podcasts to listen to, so feel free to download those. And you can also get in touch via our Facebook page. Thanks for listening today. I'll be back next week with another fantastic guest here on Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name's Alexi Boyd. I'll see you all next Tuesday.